This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, LSPod fans, it's JR here. Burt's Babes, Hoddle's Heroes, even Decanio's Dozens. We've had some iconic lineups in our history at Swindon, just like the legendary menu at McDonald's. Parkin' or Austin, sweet curry or barbecue? Why not get a McNugget share box to enjoy the debates with your mates? And thanks to book delivery, every drop-off can be a home win. Order now on the McDonald's app and you can also get rewards points too. No one wants to drop points at home, and with tasty rewards to earn, you won't be missing out. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus. Rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee in terms apply. See mcdonalds.com Rogers is streaking ahead and he's onside. Beautiful play! That is that! What a good shot! Oh, Far post for Shearer. Goal! McLaughlin has it. Oh, deflection! And a goal! Gets to Mitchell! It's another goal! Incredible! Hobble! Darkness might no, that's not the way to start a pod, is it? We we lost again. Uh, Mansfield away. The the away run is firmly over, isn't it? But never mind. There are positives, there are negatives, and here to talk about it with me. Firstly is Joe. Hello, Joe. Hi, Rich. And also with me is Dan. Hi, Dan. Gentlemen. Oh, it is an evening, that's for sure. An unfortunate evening for Swindon. Um Really interesting game, really. We'll, we'll crack on. Um, no small talk today because we all want to go to bed. <laughs> well, I, well, I do. Lineup for Swindon in this game was Lewis Ward in goal. At the back was a debut for Jake O'Brien. Dion Conroy and Akinoda Mayo was in there too. Louis Reed in defensive midfield. And your uh, wingbacks of Ellis Iandolo and Rob Hunt in the middle. Jordan Lydon. And Johnny Williams coming in with McCurdy and Simpson up front. So, Joe, a couple of changes there. No major surprises, though. Uh, no, exactly. I, I did my I did my prediction beforehand, and I think I got ten out of the eleven. Um, so, there's rarely any huge surprises there. The big surprise, of course, was uh, O'Brien, where I had Critchlow for that. Otherwise, everything would have been there. But he certainly got a, a baptism of fire this evening. Critchlow had a couple of shaky performances, but nothing crazy. What's he done wrong? I'm not really sure. I mean, getting COVID, did, did he do that wrong? Um, 
I don't know, it's just been a bit unlucky, really, because over the last few weeks, there was very strong cases to not drop Hunt and not drop Odomeo, because they were both excellent, um, you know, in the sort of COVID-affected Stevenage game and then the, the Northampton win that followed. Um, Critchlow, what did he get on the pitch against Man City for 20, 25 minutes, didn't he? Yeah, he's just sort of been the unlucky part of those um, four cent halves tonight. I suspect the want was to play O'Brien, expecting a bit of what we got, really. Uh, a lot of balls uh, in the air, a lot of balls down the side. Mansfield to work incredibly hard. And boy, didn't they? Um, just hassled and harried Swindon into submission at points. Um, Swindon just a bit too stubborn for their own good sometimes at the back. Well, I know it's it's a cliche to say like there's no easy games and it felt like, you know, with the form that Mansfield are in and coming off, you know, exciting performances on the weekend, it wasn't really the perfect uh, introduction for O'Brien. But then looking at the fixture list, like what would be, you might as well just sort of throw him in and uh, and see what happens, I guess. Can we Can we take a moment, Joe, to acknowledge Mansfield? Because... That was a very busy performance, a very impressive performance. I mean, you know, nothing crazy spectacular, but they could have seen this game out far easier, but they just kept going, didn't they? Yeah, absolutely. They didn't seem to to really let up until... Um, towards towards the end when, you know, we were, we were sort of searching and looking for something out of it and they seemed, you know, a little bit assured or held off and... They just seem to seem to keep going, and you can't really take anything away from their performance. I think that's uh, that's key to everything, and uh, so many so many standouts from their side. They'll certainly be a, a very happy fan base this evening. Yeah, Dan Mansfield are in an incredible run of form at the moment. Um, just one loss in about nine or so games, and. You know, that's always something we need to be wary of when you go into these games, especially away from home. Just a terrible, terrible start from Swindon, wasn't it? Yeah, well, in a funny way, we were actually quite good for a couple of minutes. <laughs> some nice uh, some nice balls forward ourselves. But um, yeah, minute three, the very first thing Mansfield had done in the entire game, a long ball down the side, um, sort of past, uh, well, between O'Brien and Hunt on that right side of there. Of the Swindon defence, both men looked like players that hadn't played together before. Um, Oates, who was a fawn in Swindon's night all, fawn in Swindon's side all night, uh, gathered the ball, laid back into one of the centre forwards who laid it on a plate for for Maris, who finished really nicely. And yeah, I, I don't think Ward had a chance for that one, but yeah, sort of a sign of things to come for Swindon. Um, because Mansfield seemed to get in down the sides with ease all night. Um, I think O'Brien did improve in the second mm. half to his credit, but it, it took a lot more precision and a lot more effort for Swindon to carve out the same positions than Mansfield, who looked well-versed in the style of football that they played. I think Paul Caddis on co-commentary summed it up quite nicely. The balls forward that Mansfield were playing looked hectic and looked unplanned, but actually they had a really canny knack of keeping the ball in play and making the Swindon defenders face their own goal. And Swindon just took probably, I don't know, 
six, seven more passes to get up up the pitch um, and into those same positions. So over the course of the evening on a sticky pitch, Mansfield, coupled with their outstanding work rate, pressing Harry and yeah, deserved their win. Swindon, for their performance at the back, got what they deserved, really. Oof. Yeah, it was it was a tough start to EFL football for Jake O'Brien. Shaky opening stages, Joe, wasn't it? But like like Dan said, he, he without doubt grew into the game, didn't he? Oh yeah, of course. I mean, it it felt like for the start of it, I mean, you could say, oh, well, maybe Mansfield did the homework. I'm not sure there was much homework to be done. We had somebody at, you know, right, right, right wing back who's been recalled. Uh, we've had somebody else pushed back out onto them. They exploited that, you know, there was a absent, absent person there and that we had a, a, a newbie being blooded in. And I think that was a deliberate choice. It wasn't too far after, um, you know, he'd opened the scoring that Maris, uh, just hit one just over Ward and nearly got a second fairly quick succession. It felt a little bit like, I'd say, first 10, 15 minutes that uh, O'Brien probably felt like he really didn't want to be there and that it rather the ground was swallowing up. He looked like he was he was living that, that dream that we all have when you do your exam in your pants, um, just having an absolute nightmare. But... and. When it hit the 22nd minute, although he'd started to already, you know, shake off those butterflies, when he'd gone down uh, kind of in Lewis Ward's goal mouth and was getting treatment, you were wondering at that stage whether he was going to be like a trivia note and, you know, that would be potentially him off back to Palace and never to be seen again. Um, but after that, you know, getting back onto his feet, I don't know if that sort of, you know, made him feel that he was going to toughen up a bit and uh, grow into it. He, he definitely looked more more assured. And just the just the size, I mean, we've, we've commented all week, you know, the, the size of this boy is uh, absolutely extraordinary. And just the way that he can easily just push people off um, clear lines, he grew into it. And he, I, think, I think he can be reasonably satisfied something to something to build on Paul Temple sends a message saying three shots three goals our defense is just not good enough at this level or the desire to win second balls is that fair I think you've got to deconstruct that comment I think tonight the defense was a bit of a mess um and you could probably put that down to a few of the factors we've already spoke about Rob Hunt going back out to right wing back a debutant playing his. Oh, it's not his first professional game, is it? A, a Cork City professional. I oh, yeah. Anyway, it's not his first men's game of football, but his first game in the football league. Um, and he took a good twenty twenty five minutes to sort of get the rust off. Um, caught on the ball a number of times, a bit exposed um, against Oates down that side early on. Uh, but yeah, the the sort of second balls part. That applies to the men slightly higher up the pitch as well. And in Reed and Williams, well, Lydon did get stuck in, to his credit, and he, he gave it everything. But he was ploughing a bit of a lone furrow in in terms of the scrapping in there. Reed and, and Williams, <clears throat> slightly prettier footballers. And tonight, 
a bit of steel needed. There was, um, I think, Mansfield's second meaningful chance of the night. Williams had given the ball away on the left wing, sort of had been out-muscled. The ref didn't buy him hitting the floor, and that led to a, a shot over. Um, yeah, I, th- I think you have got to give so much credit to Mansfield. But also, I mean, if if Lydon didn't play and if it was Payne and Williams in there or Gladwin and Williams, I, th- I think tonight could have been even more of a sort of mid-pitch mauling. Lydon did pretty well and he does give you a bit of steel. And I think when, as winter drags on and we play on more pitches like this and more teams that get smart uh, to how we we struggle when teams harry and press like that, I think we're going to need Lydon fit and uh, mixing it up in there for sure. Yeah, we've, we've had a message from Cheddar and I've never seen an observation or never read an observation so absolutely accurate. Uh, he says, looking forward to the next episode. Odd, but I enjoy them more when we've lost and the guys give off a sense of gloom, sadness and a little desperation. Absolutely <laughs> nailed it so far. <laughs> that's Cheddar all over. <laughs> oh, that's low strangers all over, my friend. <laughs> well, just on that, just on Doom and midweek late night podcasting tonight was um a reminder of last season and tuesday nights watching your phone and jumping straight (laughs) on the pod so perhaps a defeat was that (laughs) no i think he's got us absolutely bang to rights A, a, a great observation we did improve and i think at the time i was saying oh Mansfield are wobbling, but we did grow into the game, Joe, didn't we? And it led to the equaliser. Yeah, it looked a little bit like a, like a tribute to Friday night with uh, Williams very neatly playing in McCurdy, a tight angle, nice and low uh, at the uh, catch of the guy at the near post. It was lovely to see. And in terms of like getting back into it and making chances, that really did seem to sort of buoy us on and uh, you know sort of push us pushes into getting more into the game. I think that uh, Bishop, the Mansfield keeper, he pulled off some extraordinary saves that you would have perhaps seen trickling on, you know, on other nights. And, you know, he was on decent form and looked not to be beaten. And uh, we were getting getting back into it until uh, there's always sort of silly, needless tackle from... Uh, Odomeo is sort of left on his own, but we know that Ward is a decent shot stopper, so I don't know why he sort of scythed in uh, and brought his man down. It seemed like a needless penalty, or if he felt that he needed to lunge in, I don't know why he didn't do it sooner. I would have just preferred him to sort of stand him up, but there we are, penalty uh, conceded and uh, finished <laughs> with a plum. Yeah, wonderful stuff. And we're only proving Cheddar's point. I asked you about McCurdy's goal and we've ended up talking about giving away a penalty. <laughs> well, I, yeah, you have proved his point by it. McCurdy's goal did lead to like probably a nice passage of play and we were probably all settling in and thinking, you know, this is going to be a decent game. And when all of a sudden done and it's finished, I think by and large it was decent because like we say, Mansfield are on extraordinary form with probably both teams that we expect to be there or thereabouts at the end. Um, but yes, if I could condense that seven minutes between the uh, equaliser and the penalty being given away and uh, 
take that from today, that would have been very nice. But gloom was uh, not far away. <laughs> no, um, the, the penalty. It's it's one of those. It's one of those. I mean, the two hundred and fifty-two incredible souls who decided to go to this game. Um, fair play and tip of the cap to each and every one of them. The sort of the noise behind the goal is that it wasn't a penalty. You know, we were following it on uh, WhatsApp or watching the games at home and a few said, no, that's not a penalty. I, I I didn't like the angle really, but it's one of those classic ones, a bit like Ward at Forest Green Rovers, where even if it's not, you're making the referee think, Dan, and, and he was miles away. So it could be incredibly harsh. And it was such a frustrating time to, to, to concede that pen, wasn't it? Oh, yeah. Don't we? Absolute worst time imaginable. The momentum of the game was with us. We just equalised. Um, McCurdy on a high, he's just giving it the uh, cup tears to the home fans. He's in his element. We um, <laughs> straight from kickoff, we're in possession. We go up the other end, win a corner, um, and that's where it started going wrong. Really, this was the this was the turning point of the match because that momentum which Swindon had built and then equalised um, from our own corner, Williams and Lydon sort of left it to each other and then Oates came bursting through. I mean, what a run. Great pace. But you sort of looked at the halfway line and thought, okay, we've got two or three people there to deal with this. Um, I suppose the crime really, you know, if you're going to engage, get if you're going to engage Oates and, and try and tackle him, you've got to do that outside the box, regardless of whether I think it was a pretty good tackle from Odomeo and some of the talk from the, the fans who were behind the goal was that it was a clean tackle. Um, I'm inclined to believe them. It looked a good tackle live. The ref took a good three or four seconds before actually putting the whistle to his lips. But yeah, you're kind of right, Rich. If, if you're diving in in the box, even if it's a good tackle, and I think it was, you are giving the ref a decision to make. And I think the ref was so far behind the play, he's had a bit of a guess there. Um, and guessed penalty. Um, I mean, Wardy very nearly saved it too. He went, just the power behind the shot sort of took it under his fingertips. Um, and yeah, that sort of gave Town the mountain to climb all over again then. Um, and I, I remember thinking to myself, and it's probably my fault, I've probably jinxed it in my brain, thinking, oh God, let's just get to half time here, Town. Um, and sure enough, as I was thinking that, here came goal number three, which you know, was really, really poor from a Swindon Town perspective. I don't know, JR, if you want to take this. <laughs> no, you can't. This is the one that he didn't see. Oh, <laughs> I was I was given a mercy from uh, I follow because uh, mine went a bit uh, scrambly when I came back on. We were three one down, so you'll have to you'll have to um, entertain me and tell me just what I missed. It was yeah, really, really poor. At that time of the game, we just insisting on carrying on, trying to pass it around the back. Mansfield, who are buoyant, having a lot of success, closing us down. Um, yeah, we just frequently couldn't get out. And in the middle of the pitch, just a bit, I don't know, a bit weak. You know, Swindon very midfielder. Weak, very weak. I can't think exactly who it was, but... We were sort of running shoulder to shoulder with the man who ended up putting the ball over the top for Bowery. Um, and it was just so easy to dig that ball over Conroy's head. 
and then so easy to just think that over over Ward, who made Bowery's decision for him, really. As soon as Ward came flying out like that, of course Bowery was just going to lift it. Lift it over. It just a stinker of a goal to concede at an awful time. Oh. Can can I can I use the football parlance of uh, no man's land for Lewis Ward on that one? Yeah. I, he, he, it was he. I don't think he needed to be that far out. Yeah, I mean, I I always feel a little bit bad. I think we, we can be over analytical to Lewis Ward because we're so pro Jojo Wallacott. But yeah, he was caught out that time, wasn't he? Well, he was, but there was also issues before that, which made it a sort of. A trio of issues, really. Sort of weak player midfield. Conroy and Odomeo too easy to dink the ball over their head, and then uh, Cherry on top, Wardy in no man's land. Oh, I look forward <sighs> to seeing this on iFollow, then, chaps. That sounds good. <laughs> <laughs> Something I, mean, I kind of enjoyed in in terms of entertainment. I kind of enjoyed that first half, um, despite the result. I think the biggest frustration is we couldn't string together passes could we it was just very disjointed and something that I think Connor has mentioned and maybe Terry in the past is you know what how we play during winter will be a significant factor because the pitches get worse Mansfield's pitch you know wasn't the worst in the world but it wasn't good and we didn't play to our usual fluid selves on on this surface and is that going to be the case when we play elsewhere and at the moment it's a concern that's it's definitely out there, isn't it? It seemed to have uh, the surface today at the uh, one call seemed to have like, from what we could see from I follow, and you know we weren't there. It seemed to have sort of one one sort of quite clean and clear side and one boggy side to, towards the uh, you know the far end of the view. And you're right, you know, the terrain is going to get worse and grounds are going to get more and more churned up, so the ball isn't going to travel as uh, travel as easily. Um, it's going to be going to be difficult to play, you know, that style of that sort of free flowing way that Ben Garner so wants to do. That um, it's going to be a going to be a challenge. Billy Nishaw says we need a striker when Simpson has games like today. Do you see where he's coming from in relation to that? Um, well, I don't think Simpson was bad. I think certainly poor would be a stretch. Um, I think. He has just where he is this, the only bit of physicality at the top end of the pitch, and Swindon, after much dallying at the back, would go long. He had a bit of a job on his hands up against monster centre half in Hawkins, um, who I was fully expecting to start up front. Shows what I know. Um, I thought that was a good reason to play O'Brien at the back to counter him, but. Sure enough, Hawkins was playing centre-half for Mansfield with them having a, a few injuries. But yeah, I mean, he got very little change out of the centre-halves and pretty poor supply from the midfield. Um, yeah, I mean, sort of 6 out of 10 night for him. But the point stands when he is having a, a 6 out of 10 night and you might want to change the game. You look to the bench and you've got Jaden Mitchell-Lawson, who's a sort of speed machine. Second striker come winger. You've got Harry Parsons, who is a slight but promising forward, but he's not going to hold you any territory at that top end of the pitch. So, problem today really is in the the lack of a 
similar forward to, to Simpson. And we've been saying that since August and we'll be saying it through January. That's probably the priority spot in the squad before Kessler Hayden left. Um, you know, but yeah, we need a right back. We need a centre forward who can just occupy centre halves because you got you got plenty of speed and trickery and McCurdy and Mitchell Lawson. You got plenty of creative attacking midfielders behind them with Williams and Payne. So yeah, we need need a bit of muscle um, because there's going to be more nights like this. There'll be more games like this where. You can't rely on a 19-year-old Loney in his first full season, and he has done incredibly well. <laughs> ah, lovely sense of <laughs> desperation at the end there. Joe, talk to me about the second half in terms of, I hate the, the, the use of the, the phrase plan B, but did Garner do anything to try and sort of change things up for Swindon? Um, well, it sort of opened up fairly, you know, fairly standard I think that's probably what you could say about the the kind of tactical nous that Ben Garner kind of has it it almost seems almost dare I say predictable or certainly by rote that if you have either Gladwin or Williams that one of them is going to make 65 70 minutes and one will probably replace the other if they're not playing together that's a and and that's very predictable isn't it like yes. the opposition managers know that's going to happen exactly. they know they see they see Gladwin they know Williams will come on after 63 minutes and vice versa so is that not an issue as well i think it is an issue really because it's 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 fairly easy to prepare for. Like I said earlier about, you know, not having Kessler Hayden, having O'Brien make his debut. There's not really homework to be done. Like that is a place to exploit. This is unfamiliar. Let's go for that. And it's, it's just, it is a formulaic thing. Same as bringing on, you know, Mitchell Lawson at about the 75th minute mark. Uh, yeah, a bit of a surprise because I usually think that he would swap for McCurdy, but this time McCurdy went off for Parsons. And I could see a lot of a lot of Twitter talk talking about a, a certain uh, Mr. AG42 or just offering something yeah, a bit different, something to break up the play. I think, yeah, as as two sets of players or two squads, there's a lot of similarities in sort of, you know, wanting to, you know, play out from the back, play, push forward, probably evenly matched in that sense. So you maybe wanted somebody who was, you know, a bit different to kind of uh, offer something else, break it up. I don't know, but we don't seem to have, we seem to have a lot of alternates when they're all fit to sub in and sub out. And when they come on is usually quite predictable. Uh, I was definitely thinking, you know, like we said, O'Brien, he grew into the game. In a normal normal season, would I be thinking, is he coming off at halftime? Not necessarily Ben Garner, because he's not the sort of person to make any changes. Same as when we have the the feeling out process. We got caught out by that feeling out process today, because for a lot of games, we spend 45 minutes you know, sort of seeing what the opposition's all about. And uh, this time, you know, we went in, they were three goals to our one. So a tough uh, a tough lesson to go back in. You can't just can't just set up to have your teams go out, feel it out, have that half-time team talk, bring Johnny Williams or Blaine Glabin on at 60 minutes, bring Jaden Mitchell also on at 75 minutes, 
bring a young one on at 85 minutes and <laughs> go home. I could do that in a Swindon coat. I offer you a couple of things on that, gents. I wish you would. So, talking about plan B's and Ben Garner, plan B is to do plan A better. Um, <laughs> I, and I, I do think that. Um, there is a stubbornness. There is a lack of flexibility there. But secondly, there's also personnel issues because we need to talk about squad size and perhaps we have been overachieving with the squad that we've got because there's a lot of quality on that top layer. But actually, in terms of depth, you look at it today, we've got Baudry injured, Payne injured, Wallacott at African Cup of Nations. That's three out. But Dabre, 18-year-old winger, is the only professional who wasn't in the 18. What you see at Mansfield today is the squad. Um, and sort of within those substitutes, when you're behind, you're not going to bring a defensive midfielder on. So that kind of rules out Grant and East. Your only options really were the, the three that came on. So do you think we have overachieved with the small squad we've got? And that's given us the sort of false pretense that we should be doing a bit better on nights like these, that free kiss away record where, like I say, we had a wonderful habit of going in nil-nil and then turning it on second half. We've come unstuck at Barrow, come unstuck at Orient, come unstuck tonight. What do you think, gents? It sounds to me that you're saying that this is a very big month in terms of personnel more than anything, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I, I don't know. I don't like the term overachieved because it, it kind of takes away what they have done. And that's been very well. And I don't think we're bad enough to be overachieving. overachieving. And, you know, we've, we've had some... The waveform has been brilliant and it's carried us through. But it's still... They're wins and they've been, they've been a deserved win, haven't they? Maybe not overachieving them, but overachieved in the way that we've kept most fit. Sure. Because if we'd had the same number of injuries as, uh, we'll take last season, for example, um, I think the squad would have been far more exposed. Um, I mean, just up front, it really is three senior pros and a young prospect in, in Harry Parsons, which... You know, for any season, you're short up front there, especially when Harry McCurdy was signed as a wide player, really. Um, we've turned him into, with success, into a, a second striker. And Jaden Mitchell-Lawson, too, by reputation, was a, a wide player as a young man. Um, Gilbert, attacking midfielder, come wide player. It, I, do, I do think as much as the, the recruitment at the back and the recruitment in midfield was excellent in the summer at such short notice, and with the budgetary constraints, I do think the priority has to be at the top end of the pitch in the next, what have we got, 19 days of January, 20 days. Which is, for me, that's the aspect that has sort of concerned me. And, you know, maybe I'm thinking of this you know, in a rudimentary, top-down football manager game kind of way. <laughs> the absences are, like you say, up front. We've had a recall for a wing back, which is an incredibly difficult position to play anyway, and difficult to, you know, find somebody to do that role well when we're letting our 
wiggers go up, you know, so high and giving them free reign. So it seems strange that the recruitment so far has been another goalkeeper and getting another centre back on loan. Now I know that we're we're down and you know we have had bad luck and we do have injury prone players. We already had the loanee centre back anyway. Not saying that they're not useful additions, but you'd hope that the priorities would be elsewhere. Yeah, I, th- I think on what you just said, I think free free agent goalkeeper that's an easy one to get done, isn't it? And, you know, centre-half Loney from a, a club that Garner's got a very good relationship with, you know, it's probably an easy one to get done. I think forwards and attacking players, they get paid the most money because they're the most valuable players in the squad. And they're the hardest ones to get because everybody wants them, right? So I, I'm willing to be patient because, you know, it's hard to recruit good forward players when if you've got a budgetary constraint of, only being able to pay them, what is it, 1,300 quid a week? Is that our limitation? Um, do we exploit the loan market, try and get some some very promising youngsters up front? But again, everyone's going to be in for them, right? So, yeah. And the, and the problem with the aesthetics of the youngsters, we've had our fair share of brilliant young loanies and we've had our fair share of duds too but so the aesthetics is that trust element straight away if you've got somebody who's maybe not played in the EFL before only had a, a loan spell in, in non-league I, I I do wonder whether the club should be you know I don't want to say open and transparent because they're nothing but but um, I think realistically I think we need to set our expectations Ben Chorley Clearly, you know, they've said they've got player upon player upon player. But if there is a budgetary issue here, if, if we are sort of, if our, our hands are tied by embargoes, whatever, then I think it's probably best to make sure that the fans know at a very sort of widespread level. And so we, we don't sort of flap wildly at midnight on deadline day and wonder why James Norwood hasn't signed or Will Grigg hasn't signed. Because like you say, Dan, these centre forwards, they cost money. If it's not by transfer fees, it's in wages. Certainly. Um, I mean, it's hard because the paradox is that we did actually get a lot of quality in the squad in the summer. Like, how have we pulled Johnny Williams out of the hat? Um, Gladwin probably could have got another League One club. Um, Tyree Simpson was a find. I don't think anyone was expecting Tyrese to do as well as he has done. There is a group of the fan base that aren't huge on Tyree Simpson either, you know. So that you know, as, as much as we enjoy him, there there are fans that that don't rate Tyrese as much. Well, each to their own. That's <laughs> all I'll say. I mean, it's, it's it's wonderful that we've completely drifted away from the Mansfield <laughs> game. I assure I, I assure everybody that we have watched it. <laughs> um, I mean, I mean, this this is this is. I, I guess this conversation is born of the fact that you know the distraction of the Manchester City game. You put that to the side, and in our last five games, we've drawn nil nil to a struggling team in Stevenage. We've had a freak twenty minutes against Northampton. It was a great game, great performance, but just everything went right against Northampton. But the other results, all away from home, have been losses. And, you know, it's, it's, it's not something that I'm going to, you know, stay awake all night thinking about, but it, it's there. And, and there are, there, there is tweaking required, isn't there? Yeah. And 
as we've touched on, right now within the bounds of the squad, the tweaking would have to be tactical rather than waves of new personnel coming in. Um, so yeah, it's um, it's a good test to Ben Garner. This it really it's a month is. where a lot of recruitment's going to happen. You hope, um, but it's also the first time probably since well we had the bit of an iffy spell early season, a couple of home defeats. But yeah, it's probably the first time Garner's slightly under the microscope, and that issue, you know, people oh, it's such a cliche in it, Plan B, but. We do need to train and drill a team that can go out and play slightly differently if required because teams are going to get smart. They have got smart to how we play. Um, and it's fine at the county ground where the pitch is flat and Marcus Cassidy does a really good job. And and sometimes we are just better than the opposition. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, I, I, I maintain get, I mean, how awful we were and how good Mansfield were. We were still only a goal behind tonight. Yeah. And with some better finishing, you know, we must talk about Arandolo's free header at the near post. Mm, That's yes. a sitter. I don't want to be too critical of a defender because it's not their job to score, but that's a that's got to go in. That would have made it 3-2 after 56 minutes. You had McCurdy slipped in uh, by Mitchell Lawson. This was 78 minutes gone, so it was still 3-1, but... He just blazed high and wide when really well placed. You think, oh, God, get in. Oh, <laughs> oh man, I, I I do the pod for the for the Dan Hunt groan. <laughs> well, we haven't done it much this year. I mean, no. keep everything in perspective. We knew there'd be nights like these. If you're trying to play total football in League Two and it's winter and the pitch is sticky, it's about what you do next. Joe, it's like Dan's groan is like a negative version of the Alan Partridge sigh at the end of I'm Alan Partridge. Yes, absolutely. It's a it's a glorious signature. Yeah. I definitely enjoyed it as a <laughs> as a listener in the day. I just want to go back to talking about Man City. <laughs> well, Ellis Iandolo did score, and Yay! it's been a while, over four years, in fact. His last goal was January the 1st, 2018. That wonderful effort, not fluky, at, at Barnet, all four years ago. So congratulations to him, long overdue, and he's been knocking on the door for some time. Well, even just tonight, he knocked on the door three times. Um, similar to that Barnet effort, he had a deep free kick. Um, did he aim for the top corner or was it just aiming for the right post but Bishop had to tip it over he had the free header against the sort of corner of post and bar and then the hardest one of the lot is the one that he scored <laughs> fantastic <laughs> diagonal ball from O'Brien but I, I had loads to do drove inside uh, entered the box and at this point he normally dives uh, and gets booked so uh, lovely to see him stay on his feet and um, fantastic finish um, I do think, whilst him and Kessler Hayden were both at the club, I I do think we would have seen a lot more goals from from wing back as the season goes on. Um, if if it is going to be Hunt at right wing back, I think that puts more onus on Iandolo to attack over the coming weeks. So, yeah, he's going to keep getting chances, and if he could 
start popping up with a, a couple of goals, that'd be really handy. We needed some marshalling there at the back and just some sort of organisation. I mean, like we said, there were chances created, and you know, by the end we pulled it back to three-two, and there are at least you know a couple of sitters there that you know we could have actually done a snatch and grab, and made made away with a point. So as much as as much as contradict myself here and say you know that um, you know we're still creating chances and you know still yeah attacking threats and that defensive side yeah we've got talented players back there i always feel a little bit like uh odomeo feels anything kind of betrays his instinct of either being you know in the middle or to the right of the middle um shakes him off a bit so i don't know why him and o'brien swap sides why brian's new to it and I guess I would have hoped for a bit more for, you know, Ward and Conroy to just sort of, you know, be be vocal, be loud. Um, and the same in the midfield, you know, we're not only just missing, you know, what Payne can contribute as a player, um, but also, you know, that, you know, that presence and that, that vocal element. Oh, are we missing that, you know, tub thumping old school leader in, in this side? I don't necessarily have to be an old school leader, but just, you know, just somebody who, you know, will mediate ref calls or, you know, tell people to, you know, lift their head up. You know, I'd hope today, you see, you know, we know that McCurdy is like a confidence player and, you know, he feeds off of off of our fans. And when it's going great, it's, it's all, you know, that sort of bow and arrow machine gun thing he does and it's lovely to see and when it goes bad you know he's kind of you know sulks and gets booked and it goes sour I had kind of hoped today that you know he didn't have a dreadful game he had a okay game like we say there was some wild speculative efforts there were some guilt edge chances that he'd passed up on but generally speaking I don't think he would, should have been too disappointed with it. He got a goal, um, but when he's gone off, you know, he's, I, I would expect him to sort of enjoy, you know, the banter, if you will, from the away ends because he's certainly not shy about giving it out. Um, but just the sort of sulking from the bench and stropping down the tunnel, just somebody to just sort of get people to wind their neck in if they're throwing the dummies out. It doesn't have to be old school, you know, tub thumping centre back, but. Something. Okay, well, in terms of Man of the Match moving on, plenty of nominations uh, for people like LSI Andalo, Rob Hunt got a mention, um, people acknowledging uh, O'Brien getting more into the game, especially the assist for uh, Iandolo's goal at the end there. Uh, McCurdy getting a few nominations, some simply for scoring the goal, but by a long, 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 long way, Dan, Man of the Match by the listeners or from the listeners is Jordan Lydon, a brilliant return to form for him. Yeah, not bad when you've only played 75 minutes of the night, I suppose. Yeah, I, I think a game like tonight was always going to highlight his abilities more than Reed and Williams. Um, it was a scrap. Um, he's got that in the locker, Lydon. Um, yeah. Sorry, there goes that side again. <laughs> but yeah, the fact, the fact that we're giving him... Man of the match, um, probably tells you um, we didn't do enough to win. Um, but yeah, very good. He was very good against Man City and um, excellent against Northampton too. So he um, his 
well, he's been he's been back for ages, but the, now we're actually we've put him in and we're playing him. Um, the next challenge for Jordan for his career has been staying fit, and hopefully with that sort of MOT approach and then careful, careful. Um, hopefully, we are now going to see twenty twenty five games on the trot from from Leiden because he does give us something that we haven't got if we're not going to play Grant. And that is a bit of muscle, a lot of energy, and a bit of spike in there. I thought it was excellent today. Yeah, I would, I would just echo the sentiments of that and uh, of the listeners. You know, I think when I heard the stuff about the, you know, having the um, the body MOT and all of that stuff, I don't know why a little bit of cynicism and seeing like wondering where he would fit in made me think, yeah, is this just is this just lip service and is he just going to play like a fringe part of it, knowing that he's had. You know, injury problems before and had injury problems with us. You know, is he going to come back the same player? But it does seem to have genuinely worked. You know, older listeners would remember the $6 million man, but, you know, this is League Two, so let's say $600,000 man. He not only plays with that kind of, you know, like galvanised body that he's got there, but he's not he's not shirking. And I, I don't I don't judge players who might, you know, shirk a tackle if they've come back from like a horror injury. He's getting stuck in anywhere. I love that it's the second game in the row that he's been sort of dumped out of the field of play for having a scrap, but I didn't get to see if he got splat in the mud this time, which was really fun on Friday. But um, no, yes, just unequivocally. And, and the effort that he makes to, you know, either keep the ball in play or, you know, to shield it out so that we can get possession. It's all those little things that, that build up. I think he's been superb so there we go that's that's Mansfield done next up Port Vale who haven't played for about 400,000 years um so it'll be it's going to be really interesting how that game pans out I honestly in the league I don't think they've played since mid-December have they it's they've had a, a torrid run um with all things modern era so we we have to be on them don't we Dan yeah well I suppose the hope we have to have is they have a similar restart as um they got brushed aside by Brentford on the weekend but you know that that's not the greatest way to get back into it so yeah we just no, but we... before that it was the 11th of December where they lost at Newport so yeah they're a bit of um well they're a known quantity and that the league table doesn't lie and they're in the playoff places but how they uh return to to league action it is a bit of an unknown so yeah i mean we we've got to look after ourselves right we need a reaction from our squad and perhaps we'll be buoyed by a signing or two that could give us a bit of freshness but yeah it's um it's a very big pitch fail park and it's cliche to say that but um when you watch from the away end you see how wide the pitch is and um I remember Nathan Byrne having a couple of very good games at Port Vale. I think we won there 3-2 from 2-0 down. And actually, your wing-backs are going to be very important at Port Vale because the pitch is so so wide. So um, let's hope the pitch is flat and not sticky. Um, but yeah, if we hadn't lost tonight, I think we'd be looking forward to that game with a bit of relish because it is a top-of-table clash. And um, lucky, luckily for Swindon, after losing like we did tonight, it's good to have another game coming around the corner so quickly. Yeah. It is a cliche to say thick and fast, but I, I don't think it's a cliche to, you know, reference a, a pitch being 
factually wide. <laughs> well, it is. <laughs> Have a look for the away end, people who've not been to Port Vale before. It's the Wembley of the North, right? Oh, I think that'll do, guys. Uh, Joe, <laughs> I, I, I do think that we really have brought that sense of gloom, sadness, and a little desperation, everything that, that Cheddar was looking for. Yep, I hope you enjoyed it, Cheddar. <laughs> Let's hope you don't enjoy next week's uh, uh, Mondays as uh, as as much. Let's hope there's a bit more, a bit more cheer and a bit more enthusiastic contribution. I feel fine. I feel okay. I mean, I'm not, I'm not thinking that you know this is the end as we know it, but it's a big month. Yeah, absolutely, it's a big month, and uh, yeah, Mansfield are, are there, Port Vale are there. If we come out with you know naught from six. I know there'll be a lot of uh, pessimism and that Twitter and Town End Forum will be entertaining, but uh, it's, uh, look at the table as it is. It won't be the end of the world. And uh, we we move, as the kids say. We move indeed. Gentlemen, thank you very much. Cheers, chap. Thanks. Low Strangers is an independent podcast. Views given do not reflect those of Swindon Town Football Club. The music is provided by the great Matthew Kilford and the podcast artwork is by Matt in Singapore. Thanks for listening. Come on, Swindon. Hi, Ellis Pod fans, it's JR here. If Swindon players were McDonald's items, who would they be? We've had lots of Big Macs, like the legendary Alan McLaughlin, Harry McCurdy, or even Steve McMahon. Perhaps you'd prefer to channel the power of McPlant, like Darren Ward. Or maybe five chicken selects, one to enjoy for each time Ben Gladwin joined. Yep, there's one spare, but there's still time. And you don't need super scouts or data solutions to get your hands on any of these. McDelivery through the McDonald's app brings them all to you. At participating restaurants, 18+. plus. Serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.